most reliable thing on the internet is posting a hot take and having some other nerd say, well, but... <laughs> there we go. Well, <laughs> the beautiful thing about it, though, is I'm not even posting a hot take. I'm just posting a fact, and then people want to read hot into take. it. People want to read take. into it. Start the show. We need more hot takes. <sighs> okay, all right. All right. It's Friday, December 10th. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, a show that brings you delicious tech news and all the hot takes you can handle with Tyler Gates, Russ Cantwell, and Aaron Bewley. It's episode 226. We've got Paul Brarin and Darren Zook on. Darren didn't want to be mentioned. This is too long of an intro. Let's move on to something else. How's it going, everyone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're over here, too. Yeah, we're. I'm we're all riled up. <laughs> uh, yeah, Tyler and I are arguing about some, some uh, I don't even want to say the word, some cryptocurrency. I'll just say it for <laughs> the show. That's, that's actually not true. Um, Tyler is arguing about uh, one model of investing in crypto or not investing, and Aaron is yeah, arguing is. about the way Tyler responds to him. So it's actually two different <laughs> arguments that go it's nowhere. True. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that's accurate. That's, that's great. Very accurate. All right, Mr. Paul Brarin, our senior EV field correspondent, is on the show. Uh, let me see. Let's see if there's any today in tech history. If y'all have anything else y'all want to share with how your week went? First, uh, uh, it's been a very busy week for me. Mm. Not much I can tell you. Lots of lots of stuff. Lots of stuff with the with the works nice. and uh, and the Christmases. My daughter did her first little Christmas show yesterday. Um, froze on stage oh, entirely. No. So uh, we'll work on, we'll, we'll, we'll on that. Oh, great. She did a little bit of a slow, a slow spin, which I felt like, you know, it takes confidence if you're dancing to do a slow spin. Sure. Um, but it was also the only thing that she did um, throughout the three minutes that she was supposed to be up there dancing on stage. So, you know, like I said, it's a nice. work in progress. You know, she's three. We'll, we'll get there. All right. Well, thanks for stalling for me while I pull up this day in techhistory.com. Today, December 10th, you guessed the year, ladies and gentlemen, ID Software releases Doom. Video game developer ID Software released the game Mother Doom. Of... <laughs> Go ahead and say it. Go ahead and say Mother of Pearl or when yeah, Doom released. It, it cut out. No, no, no. You Mother of Pearl. Never mind. Mother of apart. Pearl. <laughs> Doom is considered one of the most influential titles in video game history popularizing the first-person shooter genre with its deathmatch multiplayer mode, its use of graphic violence, uh, and satanic imagery. I don't remember that. Uh, also made the game controversial, which, of course, only served to increase Doom's popularity. Right. Because if you say, don't do this, don't look at this, then everyone's going to want to look yeah. at it. It's the uh, Streisand effect, as we've talked about before on the show, where she oh, didn't yeah. want photos of her house posted. And so we've now mentioned it mm, half a dozen times on the show. So yep. <laughs> go look it up. It's funny. It's a really funny thing. What do y'all think? What year? Uh, I feel pretty confident that I know the year, so I'm going to let other people go first. Okay. I'll spit out 86. This is Paul here, and uh, I'm not really sure, but I know I had a PC at that point, but I'm struggling with that one. Okay. Somewhere oh, around man. there. I'm going to go with 92. Okay. Those are good. I'm sitting here thinking through all the different ways that I have seen Doom installed on different operating systems. Right. Well, I'm going to say, uh, I'll, I'll say that Tyler uh, is probably the closest of the two, and I'm going to go with 93, uh, first or final oh. answer. That's Almost correct. did that one. 10 years old, that's what I was gunning for. Yeah, it was 93. 1993. Oh. So now, now let's go around. Where's the most interesting place that you've seen Doom installed? Let me start. I saw it installed on a, uh, a Porsche on its little center console. And so you could drive it by, <laughs> I guess you, you shot by honking the horn and then you move around by, That's hilarious. by uh, turning the steering wheel. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Take it away. 
Uh, I saw uh, I saw Doom installed on a like a. I don't know what you'd call it, and I don't know where this was. In my mind, it was like a train station, and they have these terminals, and there's like mm-hmm. a you know, it's always running some form of Windows or Linux behind it. And I saw a video years ago, maybe 15 years ago, where it was like someone took a video, and it was you know, they had the terminal thing up there, and then they swiped the screens away. They must have had access to this thing in some way, and then switched to Doom, playing it on the terminal in you know, either <laughs> nice. an airport or a train station or something. I, I don't know where it was, but that was one of the more interesting places I saw it installed. One of the more pla- interesting places I installed it uh, was in my school's computer lab in high school and played LAN Doom tournaments. So that was fun. Oh, I, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. Most interesting place I saw it was actually inside of a bootable Windows 95 instance inside of Minecraft. Oh, yes. I remember that one. <laughs> that one yeah. was awesome. <laughs> I, I was absolutely mind blown when I saw that. Yes. Oh man! I like. I think it's the winner. I think that that feels like the winner to me. Who just put po- Paul? Did you just post the <laughs> the doom on a pregnancy test? What? Playing on a pregnancy test. Oh my goodness! To be fair, this is just a tweet I saw in 2020. Not something I've seen with my own eyes, but uh, yeah, I do that's, remember that tweet coming across that wild. last year. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Okay. Uh, if y'all have not yet joined the TBP community, t.me slash tech breakfast, uh, you can get all these amazing little links. It is hilarious. All right. I can't stop watching this. Doom on a breakfast. Oh my goodness. <laughs> 128 or 32 pixel monochrome display. That is unbelievable. I mean, and we got Doom on an ATM. I mean, the question is, is playing Doom on an ATM a sound investing strategy or not? Tyler, I'd like your take. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, buy add dividend to, stocks. Add to, that's too much fun. Don't do that. It buy dividend too much stocks. Fun. Oh, okay. I have stocks. I mean, the 20-year treasury yield is probably mm-hmm. a lot more exciting. Um, okay, so I think, I think we're going to talk about EVs today. Is that right, Paul? Do you have some updates for us? Do you say some some cool stuff is going on? You were messaging <laughs> saying you're going to like a meetup tonight or what? Whatever. Hit us with uh, what's going on. Oh sure, yeah. There's a thing in Connecticut where they take classic cars where people struggle to keep them going with gas engines and such, and they typically don't drive their classic cars very often, right? 20, 30 years old. So uh, they'll do EV retrofits. So it's only a 25 minute drive from my home. They have an open house tonight. Really? So I'm gonna mask up wow. and head over there and um, see what I can see. That should be kind of fun. Um, Seems incredible to me. Yeah, I think that's a pretty big industry, especially out in like California and stuff, Southern California, or maybe Miami Beach, where people show off their old thing, old things, right? But that's pretty intriguing, because boy, you feel like you have a project to do. Yeah. Well, (laughs) gosh, that's what I was thinking of you, Aaron. Yeah. Yeah, this is something I would love, and I know Tyler was messing around with these in the past. I think we could build some really interesting stuff, and that little goblin that I had built. There was a, I think, a University of Arizona. I think there's some students there that actually built a goblin with a, I want to say it was a Chevy Volt set of batteries um, with a Tesla motor. Um, unbelievable. It was like, it's like 520 horsepower equivalent uh, on a 1400 horse or 1400 pound frame. It's just, it's just stupid. It's crazy. Like you can't even drive it. It just, it just rips the wheels to shreds because it weighs nothing. And has so much torque. It's unbelievable. But um, yeah, part of what I was thinking about 
let's see. I lived in Ithaca, New York for five years, and I happened to be at a meetup with a guy named Rich's Rebuilds, and he does like, you know, right to repair kind of stuff in Massachusetts and New Hampshire area. And there came along a um, Toyota RAV4 with a Tesla powertrain in it. Toyota and Tesla sort of teamed up a while ago, and that was interesting. And behind him, he had a trailer of a Model S battery uh, and like a little shed he built on it. I'm like, whoa. So I got to talking to this guy, and it just got me thinking, uh, pretty wild what someone's doing out in the uh, wilds near Ithaca, New York, to extend his range in his Toyota RAV4. So flash forwarded today and thinking about classic cars that I often see, um, like a mile from me, there's a McDonald's and a Burger King that people hang out on Friday nights, and just been classic cars meeting there for years. And she's like, well, wouldn't that be interesting? People have a way to keep those cars going with a new life. And what do you know, going through some old Polaroid pictures in my basement, uh, recently with my wife, I come across my 65 Dodge Coronet, my first car at age 17, where I used to fix the engine myself and replace the power, you know, water pump and stuff with refurb, par- refurb parts that would last all of five months and then break again on me. Anyhow, so I think about that stuff, keeping a classic car going, but in a clean way that can just be plugged in in your garage and occasionally go out on a Saturday without you know, polluting things. Sounds pretty cool. So yeah, we'll see what this company has to uh, has to show off at their open house. Actually, I'm trying to find the name of the place. It's that is Tom, Connecticut. Yeah. But yeah, who's the company that's doing this? Yep, I'm struggling to dig that up. I just okay. No worries. Yeah, no worries. Go. Um, as you get that pulled up, there's another thing that you shared. There was an article. Uh, oh published. yeah. Yeah, back go in ahead. September, the Ford Mustang Mach-E failed the moose test. I didn't know what the moose <laughs> test was. Had to look that up. I, does I anyone know else know either? So can we uh, let's define that, that on air? Yep. Yeah. So it's Except an evasive maneuver. So so basically, if you can imagine the car going straight down the road and then picture a barrier, you'll see this like in front of um, anywhere where they want you to slow down, right? A barrier that comes in from the right and then a barrier that comes in from the left. So your vehicle has to swerve to the left and then swerve to the right and make it through. That's the huh. that's the evasive maneuver. Uh, moose test as they call it okay so, this test it yeah. says been, yeah let's see yeah go ahead yeah go ahead. so that's about a month ago it kind of made the rounds where well i'm in new england right so maybe it's kind of a main thing when you talk about a moose but whatever whatever obstacle jumps out in the road at you if you're doing about 45 or 50 it could be a safe incident where you swerve around it successfully and maintain control or you could swerve right off the road and hit a tree which is not a good ending so these videos are pretty compelling because <laughs> they just compare these cars Head to head, and um, yeah. it's just well, Model Y and Model Three do extremely well with a very low center of gravity. But just having low center of gravity is not all there is to it. Right? I like to think yeah. about the physics of it. A Machi is very similar, should be, but it sure doesn't behave the same. But apparently, and stability control doesn't work that well. Exactly, the right? rear tires and all the magic, right? So Tesla has so much refinement in that area, and I, I think about this stuff. Like my wife's Model Three is rear wheel drive only, and if you floor it in the snow, it does a really good job, but Physics, if you're up a hill, it'll take twice as long to accelerate, but it won't spin out. It'll track straight. And my car, where that's all-wheel drive, the Model 3, you floor it uh, in snow, and it'll be fine. You're not going to go off into the trees or swerve or fishtail at all. What you feel around a turn is maybe five degrees of starting to swing out the tail a little, and then it just like magically just locks like it's on railroad tracks as you go around a snowy turn, even with flooring it. It's just crazy. So traction control is just job. so good. It did with the moose test. It just didn't recover. It looks horrible when you watch the video. It's it's like whoa. So so this test is a is it a requirement for something? Because I think my truck would fail this test. Well, apparently not for here. I'm throwing in the chat for the people following along live. So we've got Department of Homeland Security testing Ford Mach uh, Mustang Mach E for cruisers. Apparently not for them, and and it's weird because it's also made in Mexico. So you would kind of think maybe they'd lean more towards that, but. 
unlike Tesla, um, Ford is making some cars right out of the factory upfitted for police use. So that's an issue. Right here in Westport, Connecticut, we have one of the very first Model 3s in the world for uh, police use. And they worked with a local electronics maker and somewhat with Tesla engineering to get going where you didn't need like an accessory 12-volt battery. You use the main battery pack for most of the, the electronics. So that stuff's tricky. But anyhow, I'm, I'm bouncing around on topics here. But this news, I just put two and two together with, you know, Biden and rebates and where the car's made. It's all relevant. But when the government shops for fleet vehicles, because they're trying to replace the entire government fleet by, was it 2035? I guess it doesn't matter where it's made as much to them or if it passes things like the moose test. But I don't know. You guys heard me mention on previous phone calls, uh, safety is everything to me. My wife yeah. and I both getting hit by drunks. It changes you for the rest of your life. You and should stop getting hit by drunks, first of all. Well, yeah, yeah, doing yeah try to up, avoid them. Stop yep. doing that. <laughs> when, when the headlights are off and they're barely at you at night and you're on a curve, you really don't have much of a chance. I so, know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you both are okay. But this, yeah. this come like I can't stop thinking about what Tyler said the other day when you think about a a truck manufacturer like Ford, who makes really great trucks, but hasn't done much in terms of EVs and is moving to the lightning. And then you get a vehicle manufacturer, a car manufacturer like Tesla, who hasn't made very many trucks, but they move from an EV vehicle to an EV truck. Which one do you suspect is going to have uh, a better chance of success? And I think Tyler and I were both saying the same thing then is that we imagine Tesla would do a better job moving because you're just changing a few of the things on top of the frame and things like this electronic stability control that Ford was having trouble with in a in an EV version wouldn't be something that Tesla would have trouble with. I don't want to put words in your mouth, Tyler. Is that right? Is that a lot? Yeah, no, that, that, that was my gut. My gut is that the the issues that manufacturers are going to run into uh, go go well beyond just the basics of manufacturing vehicles. Yeah. Um, and, and most of it's going to be EV drivetrain software, right? And that's not oh, to say yeah. they haven't dabbled there, but but Tesla has millions and millions and millions and millions of road miles, hours, all of the above, actually learning against doing it. And that just means that new things to overcome or regulations, they're going to overcome a little quicker until the rest of the field catches up, in my opinion. You feel the same, yeah. Paul? Yeah, I do. It's an unfortunate reality. Right? I'm rooting for Ford and GM to mm-hmm. and Detroit to survive all this. This is going to be a lot of upheaval. But when you see, you know, and you, you want competition too. Right? Absolutely, you want them to be successful to challenge to challenge. Correct. Things, it reminds me of the IT world where you've got independent bloggers blogging about AMD versus Intel. You want both companies to kick butt, right, and keep at it against each other, and so we all benefit. This feels the same to me, right? It's not bashing Ford. It's I just love that independent bloggers and people can put out a video like this and just say, hey, <laughs> this is what goes on in the Moose test and a Hyundai Ionic 5, an upcoming vehicle that looks pretty cool, that also passed the test. So it's just public embarrassment of Mustang Mach-E. Um, and that's that's a good thing, right? Because maybe the net, they'll nail it in six months and then it'll be fine. And we'll see the new video where it's all good. And then- Do we have a video of right? the uh, regular Mustang passing the Moose test? Mm, Ooh, that's a well, question. totally different animal. Do you, you mean not the Maki, just a regular Mustang? Yeah, uh, correct. The, the traditional, uh, actual Mustang. The, yeah, the actual four one door. from Ford, not the animal. Yeah, well, and not this four-door <laughs> bastardized version of Ooh, tell us how you really feel, yeah. I recorded I, someone who owns a Maki, and that was the last, that was the question I asked her, what do you think of the naming, right? She gets a lot of, every time she shows up for Maki, she gets a lot of people asking her, you know, purists or people that love it. Love or hate, polarizing, whatever, but. 
they went for it at least, right? Um, so in an interview for like half an hour with a, we did a little video of a Maki ownership experience, an ID4 ownership experience, and a Polestar 2. So for the EV Club of Connecticut, we're trying to be inclusive and show off all the brands. And what do you know? They're all beaming with smiles and love their cars. And that's good. So gotcha. these are, this is engineering stuff we're kind of talking about, right? Like moose tests and whatever. Most people don't think about this stuff. I, I'm aware of that. But I, these I like, interviews you, you did, know. can can people find yeah. them on the, uh, on the, the internet on tinkertry.com? Uh, yes, and EV Club. So I've got the videos published okay. in both places. No problem. We've got a playlist that has all these interviews. I'll throw in the Telegram nice. shortly here. Um, so, so yeah, that's good. Because I know a lot about this stuff. When when companies, you know, EV or not, doesn't matter. When they make hmm. cars, do they keep the moose test in mind? Is that a th- like did it does it does Ford feel like they've failed? I'm wondering, or do they care? I don't know. I just don't know the answer because I don't know anything about the moose test. So I just yeah. don't know if they standard test. Like, is this, is they, are they looking at this saying, Ooh, we missed our design or did they say, well, we designed for this other thing and it's fine. I have no idea. Yeah. Honestly, when this popped up in October, I don't really know if Ford directly responded. Um, they're probably more worried about ramping up production and how to get enough batteries. And you've got uh, Farley at the very top, admitting it's going to be hard to compete with Tesla, very much like Herbert Dees of VW being realist about it. Those are good signs. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know if they reacted to this particular test. This is apparently not something they're testing on their track, I guess. Right. Um, well, I just think about it with the amount of other cars on the, on the road. Like the test you're describing, I would holistically expect a Mustang or any other sports car or maybe even sedan of some kind to probably be able to do this test. But I can't imagine an F-350 surviving this test like they would just go through the moose you know well, so you i just don't know there, but, but, <laughs> yes you know i just i don't i don't know where you know at what point <laughs> well, they would roll over test is important right or or what yeah. you know what i mean that's what i'm trying yeah, to yeah, yeah. i'm struggling with the test because i just well, don't so know the te- here's the test so here's the test it's basically they're testing all these vehicles up to about 40 45 50 miles an hour Yep, trying yeah. to see how fast we can push it to where it maintains 100% control. If you can imagine, if you didn't, if it didn't make sense to what I was describing earlier, grabbing the top of your steering wheel and then suddenly just jerking it to the left and then spinning back to the right and hoping yeah. that your car doesn't either roll over or like start doing a 360 or something, right? Can you maintain control of the car if suddenly you have to avoid some massive, you know, three-ton animal that's sitting in the middle of the road? Sure. Perfect. Very good. That's what that I much. They don't wait I mean, that that's much, what I, that's you know what I, I mean. was thinking of as well as yeah. a swerve to the left, pull it back to the right, which I've most certainly done, you know, in a truck to avoid like a tire on the road or whatever. Sure. And so I survived you- that in, in this scenario. Does the does the because I don't I don't have the video. I was looking for the video. The Maki could only could only maintain control up to 42 miles an hour above 42 miles an hour. It would just the back end would flip out as in it would drift. Yeah. And that's, but maybe that's cool. Okay, I knew you were gonna go there. <laughs> I just I said, drift. I mean, if, it if it can't drift, it's not gonna be used to Top Gear or or whatever shows running now. So I, you know, I don't know. They always complain when cars don't kick the the, the rear out, you know. So I just assumed yep. that's what we wanted. <laughs> so being the optimist that I am, there's this guy named Engineering Explained. He does things like goes into the physics behind. Oh, I love um, this guy. Yeah, he's unbelievable, right? Can you imagine him revisiting? And maybe they fixed the software on, over at Ford, and they come out with yeah. a Mach-E firmware update. And they do it over the air. That'd be wonderful to hear that happen, you know, six yes. months from now, where the existing owner has their car fixed by better software smarts. 
<laughs> that would be great, right? That's what I'm. That's the message I want to get across here. This is not yeah. doom and gloom. This is just holding companies to the fire, their feet to the fire a little bit. That's a good thing for all of us. There yes, you know. and let me Reference. let me double you down on that. Well, you mentioned forty-two miles an hour. Just so we get the numbers out there, how much did yeah. Tesla do? Forty-six. 46. 40, yeah, something. Like yeah, forty-six point six. Oh, okay. So I was thinking we were about to hear seventy. And that's a model Y. This is a four mile an hour difference. But yeah. yes, but what they're saying though too is it's not yeah four mile an hour difference, but you get an entirely different behavior. Sure. Right. Yeah, so, I get it. I don't know. All right, so that's one thing that happened. There was like four others this week. So maybe uh, you, in your hot take tradition, what if I rattle right. off three of them and you guys tell me which one you want to explore a little? Sound yeah. right? Well, let, let's also and let's it, also drop yeah. the Model Y. The Model Y was able to do it at fifty-two miles an hour. Mm. Okay, thank you for correcting. Yep, thank so, you for clicking yeah. on the links. I threw them in the remind telegram. Remind me of the. Uh, remind me of the models. I went and saw one of them, the SUV at the Tesla store a few months ago. Which yeah, one's the happy SUV too. and which one's the car? So I've got the Model 3 that was started production 2017, mass production 2018, and huge ramp up. That's lower. That's more sporty. That is not an SUV at all. That's a sedan. That's what I have. Model Y came out, if you stretch it like taffy and kind of scale it up 20% in height, it's pretty much what you're looking at. That yeah. started getting mass produced and shipped in like 2019, surprising the world. The Model Y like was in 2020. It's uh, kind of so like yeah. the Mach-E. If you know the Mach-E body, it's yeah. kind of like that, like a, like a right. compact SUV kind of a deal. The X yeah. is that the the what do they call it Falcon Wing or Gold Wing? What do they call the yeah. doors? Yeah, Fal Falcon the Wing doors. Falcon and wing. Um, oh, yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah. So Falcon. Moose no, Test uh, Model Three did fifty five. So yeah, a little taller on the Moose Test. So so yeah, just physics, higher center of gravity. When you're on Model Three, you can probably handle a little faster as you'd expect. And that's what happened. I mean, I mean, and these are these are significant yeah. though. I mean, if you think about the difference between forty two and forty six, that's about the speed that people are going to be going in a forty to forty five mile an hour speed limit. You know, just just not stating the way people drive, just pointing it out. But if you think about the next level up of speed, it's usually around fifty five miles an hour, at least in this country. Sure. So that's two distinct differences of road types that one is able to do and one isn't. The forty two to forty six, it seems like. They're in the rough spot of being able to handle about the same thing. That, but if you talk forty-two or forty-six to even fifty-five, which I think you said was the Model Three, Paul. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a, that's a completely different driving scenario. One of which is mm -hmm. that is probably more critical. So I think that is a lot more meaningful than the forty-two to forty-six is. Is the people who get to fifty-five considering driving conditions at those two speed limits? No, I agree. And, and right. living in deer country and all that stuff. Yeah, I think these are things people think about. Um, so I threw another link in Telegram showing how hard it is to flip a, an SUV in general when it's of the EV variety, just because the battery pack's so darn low. Wonderful yes. way. And especially, yeah, it's really cool. It's like a weeble wobble can't fall down or however you want to look at it, this video clip is pretty compelling. Really hard to get these things to stay upside down after a crash, which is also a safety feature, right? Just inherent safety to the physics of uh, EVs with their low battery packs. Yeah, my brother I really went to cheap SUV over the median on a major highway in oh. Dallas oh, <clears throat> when no. he was like 19. Um, he walked away without a scratch somehow, but yeah, uh -huh. he had some weird thing that happened. I don't know when he was driving and he swerved and lost control and hit the median and literally the, the SUV flipped over mm. the median entirely and went into oncoming traffic. Just a wild story. Oh, and you know, that, that those Jeeps at the time, it was like a Jeep Cherokee, an older one, maybe a 90s model. It seemed like those things were pretty easy to to tip over and and roll if you if you wanted to or or in his case if you didn't want to so you, you find it so we can laugh about it but it was crazy 
Anyone um, remember Suzuki Samurai tip-over test where uh, Consumer Reports, a test track right in Connecticut, about 30 miles from my house here. They stirred quite the controversy with that one, basically taking down Suzuki in that car, showing it flipping over uh, uh, just by doing the wheels. Yeah, it's basically it a ball. <laughs> yeah. Yep. If you're yep. going any sort of speed and cut the wheel, it's just going to roll like a like a bouncy ball. It's crazy. So the feature is bright is the point here, right? Low center of gravity vehicles like EVs, they do way better. <laughs> All the brands. Yeah. So let's... So yeah, those hot takes. Should yeah, we go for those? Okay. Yeah, let me drop one one other thing yeah, though, real quick ahead. because this is you you touched on it for like half of a second. Um, engineering explained. If you ever want to know anything about how a vehicle works, whenever I was building a vehicle myself, in order to learn about a vehicle, I kept finding myself on engineering explained their his YouTube channel, just understanding the deep engineering concepts of of airflow and fuel and uh physics mechanics all this kind of stuff if you want to know anything about it check him out his name is jason fenske but he basically just goes by engineering explained everywhere. we should play him in a room with tyler for like an hour and just record it just see what happens yeah <laughs> <laughs> but a phenomenal resource go check it absolutely out. All right. sorry yeah. go ahead I, I hope I hope you're going to talk about no. the Cybertruck though, because I've seen some crazy new photos come out. Okay, yeah, just ahead. just to close that engineer explained. I have an article with over yeah. ten thousand views on cross climate plus tires. I know tire sounds boring, but four little patches of rubber. What's between you and losing control, right? So here I drive on snow, and my wife in healthcare. Sometimes I had to drive her to work in pretty crummy conditions. To my delight and surprise, you know Tesla sporty vehicles do way better than any Honda Civic I ever had. It's just that's physics, but also. You know, all a drive, but also a tire I can leave on all year without having to keep a pile of tires with wheels mounted all winter and pay someone to or rotate them in my garage or uh, mount them. So very happy uh, that Michelin has come up with a rubber compound and a very popular uh, article of mine. And what do you know? I point to his video where he talks all about this Michelin Cross Climate tire, which is now called the Cross Climate 2. Um, so, yeah, goofy to write about tires, but that's I love that. Just diving into something totally new. Admitting I don't really know what I'm talking about, but I did a whole lot of research. Here you go, world. Hopefully this article helps you a little. That was just fun for me to write because, yeah, I'm happy with them. I have 24,000 miles on them, and they're at 6, 30 seconds of an inch. They'll probably make it to 30, 35,000. That's pretty good for a Tesla year-round tire that drives in all kinds of weather, including heat and very cold because it can be minus 10 degrees Fahrenheit here in the winter and 100 in the summer. That's quite a temperature range for one rubber compound to handle. So good news there. The last three years, tire tech has come a long way. And, you know, these EVs are heavy and you're probably going to buy tires a little more than every 50,000, more like 25, 30,000, just something to get used to in the world of EVs. So there you go. And those are, what were they called? Cross climate. Yep. Cross climate. Yep. Don't worry about it, Russ. Here in Texas, we just drive around on Mickey Thompson drag slicks. Okay. Done right. (laughs) I, uh, I always buy, I do buy Michelin tires for my truck. Uh, very distinctly a, a certain kind. My dad years ago when he bought a, uh, you know, Silverado truck for, for work, he actually almost took it back. Um, he was so disappointed with the ride. And then he had gone and he just went to, I don't know, you know, one of the tire shops around here and said, Hey, I want the best tire you have, you know, put four of them on there. There were these Michelins that were, I mean, they're pretty expensive, you know, like 280 bucks pop. And, uh, he got them and he immediately changed every single car in the family to those tires because he fell in love with the truck. And so, you know, I've always yep. been a big advocate of, uh, you know, just having quality tires. Was well, my stepdad's like, I'm going to go buy used tires. They're cheaper. And, you know, people, you know, they rent the cars. They just, you know, I just, so I, the tires are unbelievably important. I do like Michelin's because they've created an incredible drive in my truck. So I like I like that idea um, of really good tires. But I don't have to worry about it too <laughs> much here. I used tires. 
I hate it. I, used tires is just an unbelievable thing to me. My, I actually replaced my little sister's <laughs> right. tires one time after he did because he put used tires on it. I was like, no, we're not, we're not doing that. So I went and bought her four more tires and, and so, switched them out. So yeah, you've got over a million Model 3s in the world. So a huge market. And these cars are now 20, 30, I'm at 52,000 miles in mine. So this is a market, right? A, a growing market. And you've got multiple companies trying to make quiet tires for EVs with low rolling resistance. Even better if you can pull it off without affecting the mileage significantly, which these did, maybe a 2% impact on my range, not a big deal. Um, not easy stuff, but it's just another part of going to EVs. It, these things are heavier, they're 20, 30% heavier, and your tire needs to account for that. And as you guys know, I took it on a racetrack at above 100, and it's perfectly safe there too. These things are speed rated, you know, way higher than that. It's only going momentarily above 100 on a track, right? Like li literally three seconds, but whatever. The tires, tech, it's just kind of fun. So I threw it right there in the, um, chat another draft because uh, the Crest Climate 2 replaces it. Um, all right, moving on from tires. <laughs> but yes, yeah. I get um, Here it is. So the, the um, all in one week, you've got VW's one CEO in the world who seems to really be waking up to the impending threat of EVs. The CEO is called, uh, his name is Dies, and Herbert Dies at uh, VW. And he's there in Germany with VW building uh, their factories, which can build an EV in like 12 to 18 hours, I believe, was the range for their ID4. Then you've got Tesla in their backyard about yeah, to open a factory. Sorry, they're yeah. making cars in 12 hours? They make one car from part to, to complete in 12 hours? Something like 12 to 18 hours of the range of times I've seen roughly for VW ID4s wow. out of Germany. But then Tesla's making them in eight hours in a factory built right in Germany, kind of right under their nose. And he's very vocal about it, saying, hey, we're going to lose 35,000 jobs here in Germany. Wake up, VW, we got to electrify. We, we're not saying we're going to lose those jobs. We're saying if we don't electrify quickly, we could lose those jobs. And look what Tesla's doing. He even invited you know, Elon on a phone call. That didn't go over too well with the board, who's made, made up partly of Porsche executives. And what do you know? They're sure. pushing him to the side. That is not a good look for VW. Even worse, Porsche is having trouble in the last week. It's starting to break that their Taycan batteries are Taycan, excuse me, batteries are having some trouble. They're just hiding some failed sales. They charge the customer six hundred bucks to repair their battery pack, but all they're doing is activate or taking some of that unused tap potential in the battery and now using it and then isolating the bad cells because Whoa, they saved. Hold on, they saved about eighty bucks on their charger. And what do you know? The Audi version, which is basically the same battery pack, has a little better charger, and those don't have packs and components that are failing. Oh my God! Come on. Okay, Porsche. so hold on. So, this is like <laughs> this is ridiculous. This is, this is like a storage company building in hidden slack. Exactly. That they hide from the company. <laughs> exactly. That they're selling thinking. it to. Yeah, that's yes. immediately where my my. We're both in that world. Yes. So me they're too. yeah. Yep. So they're putting batteries in the car that the car can't use. So when cells die, they can then charge the customer six hundred dollars and then have a quick fix because they they activate previously unactivated cells and then deactivate and isolate the old ones. And the customer oh, feels insane. like, oh, things are okay. I still have enough range. I still have what Porsche sold me. I'm okay. Well, how's this going to look two or three years out, right? Are they going to become another uh, GM? Because they saved, I think it's $60 or $80 on the charger components. Audi went with a more premium charger that they, neither of them make. They OEM it, I believe. And um, they're not having this problem at all with the same battery pack. Now, this is very much a breaking story. It needs time to distill, to, to get more truth. Maybe in a month or two, we'll really know what's going on. But it doesn't look good when you've got board members on Porsche not showing their true colors on how to handle this battery. Well, they're not making enough money on the Taycan, so they're cheaping out on a component because, you know, maybe they really want to make a little profit on it rather than just have it a loss leader for two, three years trying to save the brand. 
coupled with pushing Herbert Deese, their real chance of having an electrified future aside, it's just bad. Um, so now we've got, it's just not good. Um, and, and that's, you know, BW, BMW and Mercedes, their sales are suffering huge year over year. They're losing 20, 30% Tesla skyrocket year over year. It's not good. You mentioned the loss leader thing. And, uh, I mean, this yeah. is a, a part of just even scholastic business study. That's interesting to me. I've always enjoyed the concept. I've, I've looked into just financial aspects of creating vehicles. I actually did this for a couple of different businesses when the, when the uh, pandemic hit, because I was, I was really surprised by the amount of businesses that didn't operate for two weeks and then had to close. And so I thought to myself, I was like, wow, that's a, something's wrong with that model. And so I was just looking at different things and I noticed, and I always knew this, I think most people recognize that the cost structure required to run an automobile manufacturer is unbelievably large. One of the most capital intensive businesses Mm -hmm. on the planet. And when I think of the idea of a loss leader for a traditional company, one that, you know, they're not running off of VC funding, they're not running off of you know, they, they have a business that they operate and that they sort of have to maintain and they have to try and do both of these things. I, I, I realized the idea, cause I thought about the idea of a loss leader for these, these companies. I think it's really hard for them just looking at the numbers, looking at the margins that they ultimately deal with. And, and even in the individual sale mar- margins are high, they still have in- inventory problems. Even, and even though you're, you're getting great sales right now from, you know, shortages, they made a really bad bet. They didn't order more parts because they assumed people wouldn't buy as many vehicles, which was wrong. And so they're really struggling right now, I think, with their cost structure. And I think to have a loss-leading vehicle, it's not untenable for everyone. But I think for a lot of companies, it very well may be. And I'm no expert in this by any means. I mean, but it just, I thought about this. The idea of a loss-leader for GM, I don't know if they have the financial structure to operate a loss-leader. I really don't. You know, maybe they do, and maybe someone's an, an expert in this. But for that type of business, it's pretty hard. It really is, I think, yeah. my personal opinion. Yep. Lots of big moves on the horizon, man. I mean, this this VW headline, Volkswagen increases spending on EVs to $100 billion. And it's saying by the end of 2026. Crazy. Yeah. By the end of 26, VW expects that 25% of the vehicles it sells globally will be electric. Currently, electric vehicles account for 5 to 6% of VW sales. Uh, and so I think I saw another number. It was like more than half of all go forward investments are going to be focused on EV just to get it up to 25%. It, it's uh, remarkable because, you know, a lot of the EV talk is of course for environmental concerns. And the moment we start getting any form of traction, you know, which I, I, I would argue EV's got a lot of traction once Paul started coming on TBP. That's right. Uh, <laughs> that, that, Part there, it's a we immediately move the goalpost because it's it's funny. I never heard about anything related to climate change, really at all, outside of gas vehicles and oil in general. And now it's moved to a million of other things. It's like okay, it's like now we move to this other thing. So I wonder if that's going to shift some investment. So there's so much investment going into EVs. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of it's for the environmental changes that governments are you know agreeing to and now being required to hit, or companies are are doing the same. I think that there's an element of like, okay, now people are now pointing to like air conditioners are a problem or cows are a problem or whatever it is. It's like you, you immediately move the goalpost once mm-hmm. you start getting, you know, traction here. And does that affect some of the market here or the funding? If people get to the idea of, well, you know, EVs maybe aren't that, 
that great for the environment. Like, you know, we have these other wait, problems we have to fix. Wait till you find out how devastating a child is to the, the environment. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, like literally, I saw an article that said a human. that, yeah. that right. raising cows is more problematic of have to have an EV. <laughs> them breathing or something like that is problematic. So it's just it's just a, a crazy cows. thing to me. Yeah, cows breathing. I'm serious. Was was stated as a bigger problem. Yeah, you, you know what's oh, fun man. though? Choking. The the fun part for me is the connections. Just as Aaron agreed, talking about drive sparing and what vendors do with storage arrays and all, and thinking about yeah. batteries and cells. And it's just cool the 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 commonalities between the industries and to, to see the challenges. And then, yeah, like you said, um, this, that, but I agree with you. Listening to Tyler talk about his um, <laughs> hot water heater—that was hilarious. Having oh, just God. had to fix my, I just had, and then hearing uh, <laughs> talking about toilet and the stupid wax O-rings that every five or ten years failed. Both failed in me in the last two weeks. So I was just laughing as I was listening to the podcast. <laughs> and all the stuff I've been doing in the weekend, keeping my house going, right? With a stupid roof uh, leak from a bathroom that just keeps happening. Uh, that really anyway. disappoints me in Porsche, though. That Porsche would yeah. deact- they they would have inactive battery cells, knowing that some are going to not work, and then they're going to go in there and reactivate them. Well, Tycon hasn't been around that long. Maybe they didn't know what failure rate they would have, right? Yeah. Just like GM's learning the hard way with the bolt yeah. not going so well with ever having to recall every one of those. It's not a good look for the whole industry. It's, it's, I think it's you can bad. do that. I think you can do that well, though. Like I think you can say this car has a certain amount of charge that gets you a certain amount of miles. It, and it gets and- worse. Well, I just I just hold on for a second, and yeah. then whenever those cells start to fail, they just already have ex- extra capacity in there to replace them to keep you at that range. But they don't charge you six hundred dollars for it. Yeah, I think that there's an element of like planning for things to fail because these cells will degrade. Period. Yeah. they will. Yes. So if you plan for that ahead of time, but it's just built in the cost of the car and it sets the customer's expectation appropriately, that is actually a benefit. If you're doing it and then making these cheap component you know decisions in order to make more money that's bad form so there are there are different ways of approaching the extra cells conversation that isn't just all bad or all good there's 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 nuance here that's very important and i take offense to the storage array uh thing because uh <laughs> i'm just trying to get I'm, people around <laughs> no, it, it drives yeah, me crazy when people don't understand the way slack space works so yeah. just saying no uh, i'm just trying we, to rile you up you and tyler i didn't get much yeah. out of you guys on that but thank you for well, responding I called you wrong and you never <laughs> responded so you called me what <laughs> i said that you were wrong about the storage comment oh uh, well, okay sorry cl- closing it out just to end on a <laughs> portion note it gets a little worse their warranty they want you to keep the car between 20 to 50% charge at all times. Don't let it continuously be exposed to the sun. All of these are excuses what? for them to reduce your warranty to only three years and 60,000 kilometers. I'm, I'm, Who's that, this? This, this, is Porsche? Porsche. Yeah, this, is Porsche. this is that bullshit right there. Like, no. Pretty bad. <laughs> yep. That's so bad. So now I, so now I feel it's yeah. justified. Have you all seen Red Notice? Not no. yet, so don't spoil it. Okay. Well, dang it. Okay. I won't spoil yeah, it, but there's a part with the car. The show. Never well, mind. For so, those of y'all that have seen it, it's funny. Never to try to present a more balanced perspective, Nissan Leaf has the same kind of similar, not nearly as uh, nasty, but something like you can't leave your car out in the cold, unplugged for two weeks where it's just going to become not only completely discharged, but completely cold. So all EVs are basically fighting death if they're sitting there. I know that sounds crazy, but that's part of why if you're in an apartment or something where you can't plug in overnight, it's harder to own one of these things. You got in the middle of the dead of winter here in the Northeast, 
you're going to need to be charging at least once or twice a week, generally, especially for hmm. even if you're not driving it, needs some kind of charge, right? So those are, you know, dirty little secrets that are not so secret, but it's right there in the warranty of something as old as the Nissan Leaf that's been made for almost, almost a decade. So these are not new tra trails that Porsche is blazing. They're just way worse than everyone else's warranty. Eesh. I can't believe they're putting that stuff in writing, yeah. So what's going All on? Right. Yeah, that, that's very surprising. Um, yep. What's going on with the F-150 Lightning in terms of the increased or the super strong demand that I guess they never expected, even though they have the number one selling vehicle like of all time every year. There you uh, go. And they, now you can't even reserve it. About it. I, I think Which I can answer that question, by the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's going on? Uh, let me just, yeah, let me put, so I have a, it's my neighbor. Um, he works for a, a Ford. He owned, he owns two Ford body shops that contract the Ford. Mm. So he works basically like if you go to get your Ford truck fixed, and there's a body shop or, or a, a shop that does not just body work, but all sorts of work there. And they take it back there. It's it's sometimes owned by an individual and he owns two of them. And so he works with Ford and directly for them in a lot of respects. And I actually asked him this question. I was like, hey, what do you do? You know anything about the whole lightning fiasco of how they talked about how they just didn't see the demand coming because it sort of seemed obvious. And he goes, I actually do. He goes, they didn't think truck buyers, mm -hmm. like their traditional customers of F-150s, had interest in an electric truck and that, that, it, that it would need to be proven first before they That's got funny. all this stuff out there. So mm -hmm. that was sort of the, you know, the, the basic high-level answer that I got to a similar inquiry to someone who you know, has an association working with the company. So I don't know. Interesting perspective. Yeah. How many F-150s do they sell a year? It's like 900,000. They sell 000. 200 yeah. a minute. Right near a million. Yeah, if you include Canada. No, say it's it again. How many? It's near a million, I think, Canada and uh, North America. All yeah, of that's it. what I was thinking. Yeah. It's, uh, yep. yeah, because it's usually about 50 to 60,000 a month. Yeah, it's like 900,000, close to a million, something like that. They turned it off at 200,000. They said, all right, that's it. If you're not in those first 200,000, you're not guaranteed to get an F 150. I, I wouldn't yeah. even argue that we're guaranteed to get one anyway. I mean, I'm uh, sure they reserved on day shortages. one. Shortages. Problematic yeah. in that as yeah. well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, and I remember he was saying too. He was like, you know, we're having to double our capacity when they when their reservations were at about eighty thousand. He was like, wow, this is twice what we expected. We're going to go back and and double our you know capacity and our efforts on this. You know, to me, remember, what that sounds yeah. like personally is that Ford didn't believe in the product. I don't think Which they believe me. in what they're investing in. You know, that's that's it what that me. says to me. Yep. Yeah, because my wife wants wants one. Should I buy well, it? I don't know. At least you got an early reservation, which is good. And Ford is not doing the burying head and sand thing that Mary Byra GM is doing. They're realists about it. They know this is going to be challenging. And Ford's Jim Farley shows humility on camera and in the yeah. press, mentioning <laughs> he gets it now, right? And these recent quotes from her all in the last month, that's the guy you want to keep, just like Herbert Deese, not people that just uh, pretend to know how they're going to appease shareholder or make shareholders happy. Um, and then leave in two or three years, right? Where it just doesn't matter to them, which is bothersome. That's true in all industries, right? IT, auto, whatever. A bummer. Yeah, I would, but anyway, I would agree. There's some good well, signs there. Um, they're saying too, Ford is saying that they're delaying their Explorer and Aviator. I don't know what the Aviator is. I guess they're doing the Lincoln, an Explorer right? EV and an Aviator. Oh, the Lincoln. Lincoln Aviator. Oh, that's like... Uh, yeah. To hike the Mach-E output. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah any kind of rebates are not going to happen for under 80,000 probably with um, uh, federal tax incentives, yeah. I should say, but we'll see. Did you say under under eighty thousand what units? Dollars. So no, like dollars, the right. when you had Biden on stage and Mary Barra there, and behind him is a 
a GM Hummer, which will sell in very small volumes, not exactly going to change the world, it right. starts at 80. So almost none of those will be eligible for the rebate, the car that was talked about on camera, which is kind of funny. Um, but oh, anyway. you mean, you're saying there's no rebates for cars? I should say, shouldn't say the word rebate. The first year, I believe it's a tax incentive where in 2022, you get to write off 12,500 if it's union made and in America, which is only the bolt, which is not for sale right now due to a recall. So there's that. 10,000 for everyone else and then 7,500 for Tesla, who is not union, but their employees on average are paid more than union workers. So there's a whole brouhaha about that, but whatever. Biden's just doing the politics thing and making unions happy, I guess. It's so okay. it needs to be under eighty thousand dollars for the tax, is what you're saying. That Not looks okay. like, but it has this hasn't passed yet, right? I think it's part of the build back better or second part. Got so it. Okay. Don't I think you heard that first the opposite. I thought it was like it needed to be over eighty thousand. And I was like, yeah, that no, seems under. like the wrong direction to give people tax breaks. So yeah, it'll cover model threes and model Ys and the popular ones and Mach That's good for sure. Yeah. All right. So All right, so Paul. anyhow. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was gonna yeah. selfishly ask a little bit about the Cybertruck. Was, oh, okay. Well, it's going to finish off the miserable news. We'll go to happy go stuff. For it. <laughs> the miserable is Zelantis so topped them all. And whoever's following along in <laughs> in our um, telegram here, sorry for all the, the stuff, but um, Zelantis CEO complains about being forced to make EVs and not knowing how to profit from them. Now that's electric paraphrasing them. If you actually listen to what he says, it's, it's actually kind of worse than that. It's unbelievable. The CEO would say that, but one of the sentences he did say, um, that it's impossible to make them profitably given it costs them 50% more to make each car. He's basically saying, imagine working at Stellantis, the former you know, Chrysler and uh, Fiat and all. Imagine working there and you're hearing your CEO say, yeah, we don't really have a plan. <laughs> yeah. And um, uh, this doesn't look good for us. And it costs 50% more to make these. The middle class can't afford those. Not a good look. So he was the kind of dumbest CEO moment of the week. Sorry, this is just, it was unbelievable. I mean... You know, I'm not a that's, CEO, that's but it sort of seems like, you know, make a car, charge whatever you need to to make money off of, even if you make it for 50% more, and then over time, these things will get cheaper. Yep. I, you know, isn't that how this whole thing works in almost any industry? Er, early adoption is usually more expensive. And Perfect then over segment. time, it becomes more common. And, you know, you, you, know it's, you make better margins and things are cheaper. Everyone wins. Perfect uh, segue to what I want to pivot to. You've got... You guys in Texas, you got a factory being built in Texas, the Gigafactory. We're here. Yep. You've got the die-cast zinc toys of our youth, the little cars you puttered around in when you're six years old and imagining being a grown-up. Those little things you can stamp out with a super cheap, you know, injection molding system. You pour the liquid metal in there, and boom, you got a car. That's exactly what Tesla is making. The whole front end and whole rerun of a Tesla Model Y made in seconds, right there on camera. You can watch drone coverages of these things being pumped out. Basically making the car in two parts, all the subframe around the, the front motor and rear motor. And is they're trying to go for one. So much, is is that what makes make so much safer? And lighter and cheaper to make. So Cybertruck is putting all of that together. Under that skin is a completely unique approach where they're trying to make a single machine that can stamp out the front and rear end all in one shot for Model Y nice. and then Cybertruck and then Model 3. That's the hidden secret here that the is Model 3s the and Model Ys shooting? you see. I'm is that sorry. why the what? The bed, got the bed just got shortened. I saw newer uh, photos of the updated Cybertruck. The bed is much shorter. Mm, there's other things going on with windshield wiper and rear view mirror. Yep, there was a video that yeah. circulated today. Uh, <laughs> I was off from work today, so it's kind of torturing you, having fun with you, Aaron, knowing uh, you like the Twitter. So there's <laughs> there's some video. There's a video of the a Cybertruck driving around. Oh my gosh, these drone operators are getting pretty aggressive, but 
Elon's like, yeah, whatever. He knows they're flying over. He'll reply to these tweets. So they're zooming yeah. right in on a they're zooming right in on a Cybertruck driving around in Fremont, California, with the beautiful hills behind the factory. And just like Aaron just said, you, you see the side view mirrors that they've made easy to remove for customers. So I guess the law allows you to have side view cameras uh -huh. eventually, but maybe you can retrofit it and pop in a side view camera eventually, a tiny little stock that looks like, a, I don't know, Jar Jar Bink ears, whatever. They don't look like great, it. but you got a little stock. But okay, <laughs> anyway. I like it. I like that. So now I you mean, know you can Elon. pop those off potentially. Yep. I love I love trying to push push the envelope when it comes to those uh, those legalities, right? If we're able to do something where you've got screens inside, um, mm -hmm. and you've got cameras on the side, you don't actually need a mirror, even though the, the the law says that you do, and he can ship them to you, and you pop the mirrors off. What I don't know, I love it. Hopefully, love a it. wiring harness would be in the door, right? You got the electronics ready for the LCD and the camera mm -hmm. on the outside, right? All in one shot. If you do it right, that could be awesome. The, Maybe they just the shatter, and then you can just take the mirrors off, and then it's it's how it was intended. <laughs> that's no, you know that's what I mean? the um, whatever regulatory body looks at rear view mirrors. Where in the Europe they're allowing these cameras, but not here quite yet. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what they said. The customer can oh, well, modify it themselves. Sure. Yeah. Well, as long as your so, local law doesn't say it's not street legal without having a side rear view mirror, but then right. enforcement. So. No, good point. But if the law changes and the customer can fit, yeah, but. Let's hope that law changes, just like the adaptive headlights. Have, that law is changing here, I think. I heard some rumors maybe that'll actually happen. Uh, I saw that, that too. Awesome. I didn't All know what it was. Week, a lot happened last that? week. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I have to pull up the article, but maybe, Paul, you know what it is more. I didn't know what it was until I read the article about them changing the law, and it sounded uh, oh, pretty interesting. Control the light beam in complex ways. So we've seen ones where like, you turn on your left or right blinker, and you get an extra light comes on as you turn left, so you can see what you're turning into. I Apparently, have those on my car. Yeah, yeah, these are these are different. Awesome. Though. These are known as matrix headlights. Consists of numerous small LED elements and mirrors. Allows the light to be more precisely aimed, illuminating what the driver needs to see without blinding other motorists. That's cool. Yeah, that's really and cool. I actually, I was just talking to well, my neighbor actually, but about how how I've come to absolutely love those turning lights, and so mm. I can totally imagine an, an array of mirrors pointing the light and accomplishing the same goal. So, pretty cool. Also, totally a point of failure that's going to be awful. But <laughs> well, so we do already have them in Europe. Uh, lots of Teslas already driving around with them for a while. And here, I'm going to read the. I want to get this article right. So, Motor Authority. I throw the link in the chat there. The infrastructure bill signed into law by President Joe Biden Monday. This was November 17th. This article includes more than just funding for roads and bridges. It also includes regulations to finally bring adaptive headlights to the U.S. They're known as matrix headlights. And now I'm paraphrasing to speed it up. And it's pretty much what you just said, Aaron. Uh, uh, small LED elements and mirrors that can control light and be in complex ways precisely uh, aimed without blinding other motorists. So this is good. So yeah, it's nice to add a little happy news. So you put that coupled with four to 5% range savings when you take off side view mirrors. Like uh, my wife and I drove 300 miles in our Model 3 yesterday oh. on my day, day off from work. 300 miles, well, it's how many minutes you're at a supercharger or do you need to supercharge at all? 5% is a big deal because I routinely push it when I'm driving from Connecticut to New York or Boston in the winter. I barely have enough range for those cities. So it sounds ridiculous, but a side view mirror, side view, yeah. Uh, side views, it, it matters. 5% is a big deal. Same yeah, with the that, is so a, that is a huge impact. Yeah. yeah. So brighter future. It's good. The laws are finally catching up in this country. Europe's way ahead of us with their choices of cars and these laws, but we're getting there. 
I can uh, I can share a bit more of positive news as well. Uh, this will relate to conversations that you and I, Paul, have had directly. First off, uh, it is cool. important to note the announcement of uh, Tesla putting, I guess, its supercharger stations in Lubbock, Texas. <laughs> hey, hey, that to that's me. been that the longest is, uh, Twitter thread. It's a great Twitter thread. The yeah. Harvard that, of the West. Uh, the, Har- the Harvard of West Texas. That's right. Texas Tech University. Texas, Thank there. you very much. Yes. <laughs> uh, the uh, <laughs> That we need to get some along the way, but having one in Lubbock, very good. Uh, the interesting thing that I'm seeing here is that major U.S. utilities plan coast-to-coast EV charging networks. So more than 50 U.S. power companies have joined forces to build a coast-to-coast fast charging network for electric vehicles along major U.S. travel corridors by the end of, guess the year? 2027. I'm going to say 2030. They can be slow on that stuff, but I'm just making that up. If you could share the link with the Telegram chat, that'd be great. But, uh, I will have to go through the exercise. 2023. Yep. Tyler, you're a cheater. Nice. No, I'm not. That's that's like, is that literally what they said? It's 2023, which is pretty <laughs> incredible. Nice. Wow. That is incredible. It is, yeah. Cool. I mean, the thing that blew my mind the most was not necessarily that they were doing this, but that the fact that they said by the end of 2023 is no was most incredible to me. That's crazy. That's, what, that's awesome. That's what, it's, that's what it says from Energy Wire. All right. So CCS and charger standards, that's a whole other topic, maybe for another day. But that is also interesting, too. New Teslas have been spotted today. That same video that Aaron was watching of a Cybertruck driving around the track. Model S spotted with bigger taillights. That means the flap that opens next to the taillight to charge probably is the CCS standard. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe that car that's going around the test track is destined for a boat that goes to Europe and it doesn't matter to the U.S. But either way, we know Tesla's trying to open up the supercharger network in the U.S. to other cars. That would mean huh. CCS type of chargers hooking up to a Tesla thing with a different okay. cord or a different adapter. So this is a time wild out. feature here. Yeah, yeah time out. CCS. This is the first time anyone has said CCS in 226 episodes on Tech Breakfast. Oh, Combined okay. charging system. We don't know. Okay. Uh, the audience doesn't really know what that is. I don't think. Do you guys know? A standard? I do not. No. Yeah, no, we, no, no. We, so, teach us. So, yeah, I think we hinted at it a little bit on a previous podcast that was on where I said okay. something about Europe has these big, bulky adapters, but all the cars use them. Teslas and all the other brands of EVs in Europe. So they have a big leg up on us. Why? Yeah, I, I remember the, that. That part, yeah. Tesla had to come up with a standard. This, this CCS didn't exist when Tesla was starting these cars about over a decade ago. So when the Model S came out, the first mass market, which I think was, was it 2012 at this point? So we're getting very near a decade. They came up with a very small adapter that works at home or on the road. So DC fast charge or AC slow charge at home works with both. Thank you for throwing that, Aaron, on the chat so I can talk instead of looking for links here. So massive difference in size. These CCS chargers, it's kind of bulky for someone if you're struggling with, you know, arm strength to plug in in the middle of winter. (laughs) If it's 10 degrees Fahrenheit and you're wrestling with a cord that's an inch and a half thick and the adapter at the end is two inches, not great, but that's you what you're talking has. about. These freezing conditions that we know nothing about. Yeah, I know. Well, except you did for February get, of last except year. Except for February yeah, of last okay, year. Never mind. <laughs> Four degrees <laughs> outside right now yes. in my house. Yes. I'm inside sweating with the AC on. I am so, as well. Apparently. So, anyhow, in, the, in this country, we've got this challenge where maybe in the future, let's think a year or two from now, they're already testing this in Amsterdam right now. You might pull up in your uh, Ford Mach E to a Tesla supercharger. And you have a, some sort of adapter either hanging on the charger or in your trunk. You plug it in and now you're able to charge probably about half the speed of the Teslas right next to you. But at least you got a place to charge. And here in the Northeast, you've got to charge every 20, 30 miles or so along the major highways. There's a lot of superchargers blanketing the country. 
particularly where I live. Not so much in Lubbock, but hey, that's coming soon. I was going to say, that's we only have one metric that we care about for superchargers. Yeah, let's talk about that. You, you, When you guys are shopping for trucks, you, especially you, Russ, it really matters if Electrify America or Tesla builds that supercharger in Lubbock first. And then imagine in two years, both of them are covered. Imagine there's other chargers 40, 50 miles away where maybe that's more convenient to stop at. Wouldn't it be great if like a $200 adapter you keep in your truck lets you plug into both Electrify America or Tesla? Um, that's what we need in this country. We need a way to charge any old brand in any place. That would to be me, great. It seems, you see, it, it's, I agree. It would be great. It also seems unbelievably obvious. Like there's certain things in this world, regardless yeah. of who makes the product you use, that they should share. And all of these cars should be charging with USB-C. I think we can all pretty much agree with that. And, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, wanted tie, I wanted to tie two funny topics together. But the, it's going to need to be a real fat cable. Everybody's using USB-C, and Apple comes out with a lightning charger for the Apple car. Oh, my God. I would lose my mind. The, <laughs> I, I thought about being able to get gas anywhere on any length of trip or whether or not I would be able to do it in one car versus the other. I've never, I think what I've we never really considered need that is, yep. is a middle out double helix battery that just gets us 2000 miles. I mean, that's, <laughs> well, there you go. that's, the, that's all we want. I don't know what that means, but it sounded great. Yeah. So let's just go back for a second. Going back to a second for cables. I love the USB-C comment. It would have to be water cold and get this. Uh, <laughs> So just to get wrap your head around how much electricity you're talking, in a house like mine where you took put a dryer outlet in your garage, you're getting 240 volts out in the garage. As far as um, watts, it's about 10,000 watts when I'm charging one car. So you can get your mind around that. It's, you know, uh, seven or eight hair dryers going at full tilt, right? Fine. Sure. Um, now, take that number and look at a 150 kilowatts, so 150,000 watts happening at your V2 supercharger from Tesla for the last six, seven years. Those are blanketing the country. And you're getting in and out of there in 25 to 40 minutes if you're pretty darn low and you're leaving pretty darn full, just like I did yesterday when I was in New Hampshire. Fine. Did you go you to the new 250,000 so kilowatts. That's how they're charging. Yep. And then we they're go to charging. 250. So you this go to is 250, they... which is the V3, and yeah. they have thinner cables. How did they do no, thinner wait, cables? Wait, wait. No, no, no. Sorry, not 100. It shouldn't be 150,000 kilowatts. It should be 150 kilowatts, right? Yes, 150 kilowatts, yes, which yes. is 150,000 okay, watts. I just had to catch 150, that. 150,000 watts. No, no, no. Thank, thank you for that catch. So 150,000 watts or 150 kilowatts. Yep. Good catch. So 150,000 watts or 150 kilowatts is your Tesla supercharger with an inch and a quarter thick cable, I believe. The 250 that are faster get you in and out in like 25 to 30 minutes. And I tested this and did videos on it, whatever. It's not a huge difference in time, but... Here's the thing, they're actually way thinner cables that anyone who's rather petite and even an 80 pounder or a kid, I've done it with a, a nephew of mine, can easily plug in. And that sucker's super thin because it's water cooled. Actually, water cooled the cable. Hey, if you got a USB C cable that's water cooled, <laughs> maybe you got water cooled USB C cables to charge well, so, your gaming yeah, that, laptop in the future. Was, Who knows? That's what's so fascinating uh, about it, right? Like you take those numbers, and, and if you're looking at this and you're saying, oh, 10,000 watts, it's only a, a few hair dryers. That's still pretty crazy but when you're running it on a 240 volt circuit to get your watts to figure out what your amperage is that's a totally reasonable amperage you probably put that on a 50 amp breaker right but it to is. take yep. that from like 10,000 to 150,000 if you're going to do it on a 240 that 
that's more than even upgraded houses can handle from an amperage. I mean, that's like what, 625 doing quick math, right? Which is why I assume that's where we started to see the 480s, right? So you have a, it's actually basically two dryer hookups that are powering it. And then correct me if I'm wrong, Paul, but they're, they're actually, when did they go DC to the batteries? It's out of the wall unit, right? Yeah, nobody at home can afford DC charging, is what you're hearing. And you've got AC charging. Yeah, okay. So so you got AC wall power, and then the charger in your car, it's basically under the back seat generally, is converting to the DC that your battery wants yeah, to sit at a reasonable in the car. At about love. 40 amps. So I should be talking amps rather than just watts here, and I didn't, but whatever. I'm just using the numbers that um that are hopefully meaningful to a listener. But yes, uh Hair dryers, I think, is a pretty good measure. Four or five, maybe six of them running. And then both of our cars are charging at once. It's two 50-amp circuits, both using 42 amps of the 50-amp circuit breaker. So that the circuit breakers don't trip. And I aim a FLIR thermal camera yeah. in them. And I turn on the dryer and turn on the oven. And make sure my circuit panel is happy and nothing trips. And that works fine. Good. So I feel, you know, it's safe when I got my wiring, work. right? I yeah, no, I'm so about 10% over the rated for my house levels. Yeah. So I'm not, so anyhow, this is, this is what goes on. This, this was a lot of fun. Um, the, the take on story, I forgot one oh. major icon. The one thing I forgot to say is they went 800 volts, Tesla's 400 volts. So, so uh, internally in the battery pack, the DC. So maybe it was, you know, vanity, oh, maybe German. DC? Correct. The battery pack inside the car, all Tesla's are 400, Porsche oh. went 800. Do we know that's their mistake? Well, they were trying to go with faster charging, and that went all the way to mm -hmm. 350 kilowatts, but they don't actually get there. The most they've gotten, I think, is 270, which is slightly one-upping Tesla. So, so you know, you got this game of one-upping other companies. But did that hurt them on the charger front? Was that a mistake? And I don't know, because Audi did it for only 70 or $80 more. They did better chargers, and they don't have battery packs going bad on the Audi. Guys, I think we're going about but, this all wrong. Mm. This is not the right way to approach this problem. We're trying to take the old way we did things with filling up cars with gas, and we're trying to replicate that with charging batteries. Whenever Formula One you know, fuels up a car, they have a different pressure system where they can fuel up a car much faster. Whenever Formula E does it, they swap the batteries. They don't try to charge it faster. We just need stations all over the world where you drive up and a robot takes your battery Word. out. Puts Word. a new and one a in there, and you just keep going forward. It's just yeah, it's just a standard. You just swap the batteries, you and just, you keep that's going. It. You pay for a subscription to the battery system. I'm just Chinese, and, and, Chinese is, Geely does this. Says, you know, you know says, I was going to say that that's actually not a novel idea. They've they've looked at it, but if you were to standardize that across all of them, you you'd Do get like this from one me. shape of car. <laughs> You know, somebody would just ruin that. They'd set a standard. Somebody would be like, we could do really cool things with cars if it wasn't for that standard battery. I don't want to hear about your negative Nancy comments. I came up with a genuinely <laughs> bad idea. We can implement it right now. No, no, it is. It's a brilliant idea, actually. And I, I'm, I, but unfortunately, as much as I like it, I think no. the answer is going to end up being better not battery listening. technology. Not and bigger battery <laughs> filling pipes. Nope. So, well, so Neo right, and they've they done it in China. Just swap yeah, the car. Done. Screw the battery. So there was some news the other day. I guess somebody was working on a patent to be able to recharge a battery pack in like under five minutes. Sure. Is that, I mean, does that seem possible? Does that seem, I, I was tweeting about well, how it. How big is like, the battery? Seems, what are we talking about here? Yeah, like basically, there's, there's a lot of, I think lot of I think factors GM, going into that. Yeah, I think it's GM. They developed a way to do this or something. Anyway, but. And I tweeted mm -hmm. out, I was like, that doesn't seem safe. And then somebody was like, well, so riding behind a firewall, you know, in a uh, with these controlled explosions with gasoline and whatever, he's like, that doesn't seem safe. I was like, all right, fine. Fair watching a movie? 
And the cars explode all the time. Like, what's the what's the <laughs> yeah. deal here? Is they buying their, their cars off those, of movie lots? All the EVs. No, they just they they're making a joke about indust, uh, um, internal combustion engines. But um, all right, two two can, things. Can we I'll, get I'll like, what's tweet. the theoretical limit in how fast mm. we could charge a battery pack? Because they're well, saying you're my challenges. You got thousands of EV superchargers where Tesla is spending you know millions at each new location where they've got twelve to sixteen stalls generally. So these are not cheap to make, and a well established with. I think 3,000 all over the world are these supercharger stations. And that costs a fortune. And they have to water cool the cable already to go to 250 kilowatt charging, right? So what you're talking about is going from 15 to 25 minutes for the fastest, newest cars, like the new Tesla Model S Plaid, all the way to something like five. Oh my gosh, the amount of electricity you're dumping in that car and the cable and all of it that goes with it. That's not too easy to see. I'm not, But yeah, I'd love to look at your tweet and try to reply to it. And by the way, Geely and near uh, there's two companies in China doing the battery swaps by the way, and Tesla did play with it at one point. So Neo is the. Yeah, other I think one. I remember seeing um, the, yeah. the Tesla toying with it, and and I do. I think that idea it, it because it's you know quote instantaneous. It's the speed of popping in a new battery, just just like you know your kids walkie talkies. You know it, it's easy, and that's arguably why triple A's, double A's, DCs, you know, became such common standards is that you could design devices around it, but. But that's a perfect example of where I think battery technologies and going that way ends up falling apart is that the reason certain kids' toys for so long were as clunky as they were is because we hadn't decided it was worth going to something like LiPo slash the tech wasn't there yet to make the batteries tiny but still do what they were supposed to do. And when we got there, we got some really cool toys. So it's, I think you're you're constantly going to be fighting battery tech if you want to get to swappables. So let's end on a phone. It looks like folks have to kind of wrap this up. Um, but on the chat, we're looking at the Cybertruck giant windshield wiper. Please. Uh, so it's comical. Singular. It's one There are other cars that have those. What it's not plural. It's huge. It's like five no, feet I know. long. Sorry, sorry. I mean, I mean, the car has a single monolithic wiper. What vehicle is that? It I've never seen that. Monster, I don't know. But it totally works. So the Cybertruck is a steeply raked windshield, right? Very long. The bat, they've shown pictures of the actual, you know, windshield separate from the car. It looks just enormous. Forklift Which I love. Around it factory. Yeah, it's First hilarious. All, that's huge. <laughs> but the wiper, imagine. Yeah, go ahead. When you look at cars like uh, like a Lamborghini, right? It, I mean, it's like a 12 degree slant off of flat. Yeah. <laughs> and then you look at, you know, the common F-250 or whatever, and it's at like 89 degrees off of flat. Anyway. So if you don't want to ruin the wind factor, you, you want lasers to shoot, you know, bugs and water off your windshield. And Tesla has some patents <laughs> on that. Who knows what they'll do someday. But for now, it looks like you got a giant hunking wiper blade. And when you see a windshield that big and you see a wiper blade that's vertically, it looks like it's resting vertically on the test rack, maybe it just slides back and forth under the straight, you know, rectangular hood. That would make some sense to me because it will clear the whole windshield and certainly the uh, self-driving kind of cameras at the top middle where there's, you know, rear view mirror is. But um. I don't know. It's just funny. Those also surface. So that was today in the world of electric cars. That that same aerial footage, for, drone footage of a Cybertruck. There you go. Thank you. It'll, Throw in the chat. It'll be interesting well, to see how quickly fun. it clears. You know, like the driver's side section of the windshield, because you know, cool. You can see through every point of the windshield, but that's really irrelevant if you're, you know, fighting a hurricane worth a brain. You just want so, your windshield wipers to be in front of you as much as possible. And yeah, if you're full self-driving, you want it to go on automatically. And that happened to my wife and I when mm -hmm. we were driving a week ago, and she made a big comment and tweeted. Yeah. Uh, I saw your goes, tweet about that. Yeah, she's like, my wife's like, oh, she just texted my kids that dad's car just turned on its wipers automatically and washed the windshield because it felt the cameras were a little bit dirty. It was just a funny moment to her, right? A little bit of robotic where the car is 
in autopilot mode. We're sitting in a traffic light, completely oh. still, so we're not really spraying other cars. And the car decided to clean its own windshield, and we both go. I can oh, see that's it. Awesome. I, I, I can see it. So <laughs> at, at ten minutes and twenty-two seconds into the video, I just dropped. Uh, you can see that it's mounted. There's a pivot point at the low. Like if you're looking at the windshield, it's the lower right hand. It's the driver's side. There's a pivot point down there. But it's one massive thing that creates an arc across. So the passenger is going to get this obstructed, weird view. Uh, let me see if I can. Uh, I'll see if I can clip it and drop it in there, uh, so you guys can see what this looks like. But it doesn't go left to right across. It's all pivoted. Uh, there you go. Click on that little image. That's that's the way I've okay. seen it. I swear, it's like a Fiat or an Audi. It's got to be Fiat. I don't think Audi does anything crazy like that. It's something I feel like I must have seen in Italy. But I've seen a single large wiper, and and they of course they've got a pivot point. And then it is, it lays like a little more vertically and then it just sort of pushes across from that giant pivot point. Um, oh gosh, I got to remember which car it is, but uh, I'm trying to find your, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, okay. So I got to figure out what car I am thinking of or haven't yeah. had seen because that looks a this lot. This is comical like though. This is yeah. comical <laughs> with that's that's the one giant one. That's pretty funny looking. No, that's All awesome. right, we got to shut this down. We got to edit yep. and post this before, uh, before uh -huh. Friday night activities. Edit Ooh, Friday night activities. That's well, like I mean, fun. edit you know that should I mean. just be published. You know what I mean? Like, I, I got a trim and I got a level and I got all that kind of stuff. Oh, there there you go. Well, Paul, thanks for joining us, man. Love all the content you bring. It's always fun to have somebody yes. so connected to the tech and the space. Um, your EV knowledge is awesome, and we enjoy having you on. Uh, I know Russ already dropped, um, but obviously, uh, we had a good time, and I'm sure he shares that sentiment. And that brings another Tech Breakfast podcast to a close. Thanks for listening, everybody. We're out of here for the weekend. We hope you have a great one. We're going to. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for sharing. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Adios. Thanks, Paul. See ya. Thank you so much. It was a blast. Have a great weekend, everyone. Later, dudes. Oh, so much fun.